You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by today's message. Well, it's an, an honor to be with you guys. And uh, I have to say, um, I'm always embarrassed at introductions. I know. <laughs> um, they always make it sound bigger than it is, you know. So, I mean, guys are happy to be here tonight. Amen. Wow. Okay. Let's try it one more time. How many guys are happy to be here tonight? Uh, um, you guys can take me out of the monitor so we don't get that, that feedback. Okay, good deal. Well, uh, this is Jefferson and I. This is our third service today at three different churches. And so don't mind if I sit down, okay? Uh, happy to be with you guys. And I'm really excited to be here because uh, I've been here for a month. Uh, it's not often I come that long to the States. Um, I came initially because uh, my pastor, I'm from Trinity Church International in Lake Worth, Florida, and our pastor was having a 50-year ministry celebration, and I was asked to come be a part of that, was honored to come be a part of that. And, uh, and then we just got back from Oklahoma City. Uh, Jefferson arrived uh, about two weeks ago, and I picked him up in Jacksonville, and, uh, and we ended up going to Oklahoma City last week for a conference where we were networking together with over 50 nations. Uh, we had national leaders from all over the world there. And uh, being able to collaborate and network together, get some inspiration. We're excited about what God is doing in the earth. Amen? And uh, we've, uh, I've been preaching in Florida, Michigan, Georgia, and now I'm here with you folks back again in South Florida. And uh, so I've been away from my wife for a month. And I just believe the Bible is very clear. It says it's not good for man to live alone. Hallelujah, Jesus. Uh, and uh, so this is my last service. Tomorrow I get on a plane, and Tuesday morning I get to see my wife. So praise the Lord. Amen. So this is my ninth service preaching in the last month, and uh, not, not in, in addition to the conference we were at last week. That was an extra. And so honored to be here. Honored that this is my last service to be with you guys. Um, we'll find out after the message today if it's my last service ever to be with you guys. <laughs> but um, I'm just grateful for pastors. I was looking at the, uh, uh, your, your sign up here. So you started in 2013. Yes, sir. Man, I'm going to give you a hand. Come on. How many guys are grateful for your pastors? <laughs> Amen. We, uh, we love, love church planters. That is the biggest part of what I do is to work alongside church planters, particularly in Europe. We live in a continent that is less than 2% Christian. I'm pausing for effect. <laughs> and uh, I live in a country that's 1.35% Christian. And the majority of those believers are internationals who moved into the country that already knew Jesus. And in fact, the statistic among Belgian people uh, that wonderful place that sells chocolate, hallelujah. <laughs> Belgian waffles will make you want to slap your mama good. Come on now. <laughs> and uh, uh, did you guys realize that French fries were invented in Belgium? Yeah, it's on the French side of Belgium. We have three national languages in Belgium. I always laugh when people talk about America and we're English speaking and, and uh, always complaining about uh, you know, those foreigners not learning our language. I live in a country with three national languages. And Pastor Daniel asked how many languages I speak. I speak English really well. <laughs> and uh, I do speak some French and Dutch. 
as well. But I live in a country that the national languages are French, Dutch, and German. And how many guys know that can make it difficult? <laughs> Planting churches. So all, we actually have churches in all three of those language, languages in our network and the ones that we planted. And we're grateful to be there. We do three things. We make disciples, train leaders, and plant churches. That's all we focus on. Everybody say make disciples, disciples. train leaders, leaders, and plant churches. And among the Belgian people, it's less than a half a percent of them that know Jesus. So we feel that planting churches is the necessity. It's the best thing we can do because it creates community that's going to be perpetually reaching new people. Amen? And so thank you and your church for having a heart for missions and being a part of it. And I'm sure that the Lord is even going to continue to expand uh, your vision and your heart and your, your contacts with international ministries. You know, the Bible says that we need to go into all the world. And if, if you understand Greek or not, uh, understand the, the, the uh, uh, grammar of Greek, it's an imperative. It's not... Uh, when he says to go into all the world, what he's literally saying is, as you go into all the world, preach the gospel. Or as you go into all the world, make disciples. It wasn't a question of your choice that we're going to go. He's saying, as we go, wherever you go, you represent him. How many of you guys love Jesus today? Amen. So we need to take the gospel to the world. And it doesn't happen unless we're intentional about it. Amen. And we like to tell people, that everyone has a responsibility to missions. How many of you love Jesus? Come on, just raise your hand. Come on, wave your hands in the air. Wave them like you really don't care. Jesus. Oh, thank you. Thank you over here. All right, one more time. Wave your hand in the air. Wave them like you really don't care. Jesus. All right, half of you get an A. All right, here we go. So, so we love Jesus, and that means that we all have a responsibility to missions. So here's what happens. God's either calling you to go, leave the comfort of your home, go to another place to carry the gospel, or God is calling you to send. And we do that by equipping and encouraging. We do that by prayer, praying for people. We do that by sending finances to proclaim the gospel. You're in one of two camps, all right? So we're going to take a vote tonight. How many guys are called to go? Thank you. All right, thank you. We've got some missionaries in the house, all right? So if you're not called to go, God has called you to send. So raise your hand and say, I'll send. There you go, Pastor Danny. I'm recruiting for you, all right? Right now, I'm recruiting for you. So thank you again. Thanks again, guys, for your commitment uh, to World Missions. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 45 today. And I want to set this up for you and explain to you why I'm going to be sharing this message today. This was not the message. In fact, I feel that Pastor Daniel probably feels like this is a bait and switch. Because when he asked me to come, I was sharing with him about another word that I was, I was sharing in churches I was going to. He said, would you come preach that at my church? But how many of you are grateful for the Holy Spirit? Amen. And, and all three services today, and honestly, this is not normal for me to do this. When I go to a place and I'm preaching in more than one place. Uh, in fact, I've gone to churches that have two services, um, and I'll preach two different messages when I'm there and tell them, listen, if you want the other message, just listen to it online or you know, buy the CD or something. Um, but I felt very strongly last week that God needed to, wanted to make a shift in this message. I've already preached twice this morning, and God's been using it, and I believe that he wants to teach us something. How many of you guys are ready to hear from him? 
He wants to teach us something. So I want to just give you the background of this text. Jesus had just fed 5,000 men, the Bible says. So there's probably more than that that was there between women and children as well. This is after he had been teaching and they got hungry and they decided to try to feed them, but they didn't have the resources. So what happens? They take a boy's lunch. Just take it from him. <laughs> it was offered up, and he gave a few pieces of bread and some fish. Jesus multiplies it, blesses it, multiplies it, and they had enough to feed all of them. And in fact, 12 baskets were left over when this happened. How many of you guys believe that's just miraculous, right? A miracle that all of them saw. And so at, the, at this point, Jesus sends his disciples away, and he tells them, I will catch up with you. You go ahead of me. And I want you to see what happened. In verse 45, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him on the other side to Bethesda while he sent the multitude away. So I want to pause there. Jesus tells the disciples, get in the boat, go to Bethesda, I'll meet you there. And then he tells the crowd, service is over, go home. And then we, then we, we read in verse 46, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. And now, the, now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they, were all, for they all saw him and were troubled. I want to stop there for a minute. This cracks me up, absolutely cracks me up. They just saw him feed miraculously a minimum of 5,000 men. They've seen him heal the sick. They've seen him turn water into wine. Everybody say miracles. And then out of their obedience to what he asked them to do, he sends them by boat to Bethesda. A storm comes. And they're fighting this storm. And then Jesus decides, I'm just going to catch up with him by walking on water. And they saw Jesus. Think about this. They've seen him many times before. They've seen him do the miraculous. But for some reason, they did not recognize him. I'm pausing for effect. They did not recognize him at this moment, and they called him a ghost. They called him a demon. They called him a ghost because they did not understand what was going on. How many of you guys know they've seen Jesus come in many different ways, but they've never seen him come like this? And folks, it's important to understand that because often we will, when we don't understand what's going on, we just begin to label it something that is evil or wrong but in this situation god was trying to get their attention think about it he, he called, they call him a ghost they were troubled in their heart but immediately he walked he talked with them and said to them be of good cheer it is i do not be afraid then he went up into the boat to them and the wind ceased and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled for they had not understood about the loaves. What does that mean? Referring back to the feeding of the 5,000 men, miraculously. They didn't understand it. And here's what it says. Because their heart was hardened. 
I want to talk to you guys tonight about growing in the storm. Can I pray real quick? Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray in the next few moments that we have together that you speak to us. And Lord, that we would leave this place differently than we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're entering, we're getting ready to finish here in Florida a season that we're quite famous for in South Florida. How many guys ever heard that this area is called Hurricane Alley? All right, listen, I'm born and raised in West Palm Beach. I'm, I, this is home for me. And uh, in fact, I went to John I. Leonard High School. Any Leonard Lancers in the house? My, your mom went there? What year did she graduate? Well, she didn't. She, she graduated. <laughs> what, what year might it have been? I'm 51. How old's your mom? 53. 50. I probably knew her. All right. So we were there probably at the same time. I went to, I went to John I. Leonard Lancer. This is home for me. I am a Florida cracker. Come on, folks. How many guys are from Florida? Raise your hand. Wow, this is shocking. Every church I've gone to today, this has happened. <laughs> There's like six of us. There's like six of us. All right. So we're Florida crackers. I don't know what that means. It just means that we're from good old Florida. All right. And so from, <laughs> I go, <laughs> so, so from, from June to November is what? Hurricane, hurricane what? Season. It's funny they all know that, Jefferson, right? It's hurricane season. That means if we're going to get hit by one, it'll be during these months right here, right? Now, here's the thing about storms. That kind of storm, a hurricane, is predictable, right? We get maybe an outlook seven days ahead within the two days we know we're going to get hit. And it allows us to prepare, right? And you know what happens? We run to the grocery store and for some reason, we, we, we forget that we're believers and we're fighting people for the last bottle of water. And I don't know what it is with you folks and toilet paper, but everybody just stocks up. I mean, even in the pandemic, we're in Europe reading about the shortage of toilet paper in America. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. And we prepare, right? Everybody say preparation. You know, there's a lot of storms in life that we can prepare for, right? We hear about, we hear the word recession, right? So we're going to start preparing, start cutting back on our expenses, start, you know, preparing for those things. We, we, we hear about different activities that's coming on. We can start to kind of predict what's going to happen. We know trouble's on its way, so we prepare, but you know, there's another type of storm that happens here in South Florida. Now, you can wake up in the morning, birds are chirping, the sun is out. And if you live close to the ocean like I did, that breeze is coming. And you just know it's going to be a wonderful day. Hallelujah. Puts a smile on your face. Folks, I live in a country that has 240 days a year of rain. I moved there in 2002, and I thought the Lord made a mistake. I mean, I, it's, it's, you, we, we often say in the winter, you have two choices. You have dark gray or light gray, but it's going to be gray. We, we, we live in a very wet climate in the wintertime. Okay? I don't know. I wasn't built for it. I love it now, but I wasn't built for it then, right? I love the South. I love Florida and its sun and the sea and the sand. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. I mean, if I was at home, I'd say, Bucco Soleil. We, I love a lot of sun. Amen? Well, in the afternoon, 
after that beautiful morning, and it happens at least once or twice a week, what happens? Rain. Rain. We call it afternoon showers. They just come out of nowhere. Mess up your day, and I don't know what it is with people that come from the north. They don't know how to drive in the rain. Come on, folks. Right? <laughs> you got a little too excited over there, right? <laughs> and it causes all kinds of problems, right? And it's unpredictable. It just shows up out of nowhere. But how many of you guys know in life that happens as well? There are things that come suddenly, comes out of nowhere. Well, here's what I've kind of learned, is that there's actually a gift from God in the middle of the storm. How many of you guys ever get frustrated? I was in North Florida several years ago preaching, and I said, frustration's a gift from God. And this lady stood up in the church, and she said, the devil is a liar. <laughs> but it's, it's a gift because... It makes you evaluate your circumstances. It makes you consider, what can I do to bring change? And I'm here to tell you that my Bible tells me, according to Romans 8, verse 28, that all things work together for good. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So here's what I want you to understand. God will never waste a moment of your pain. So when you face a storm, all kinds of things begin to be exposed. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Now, before I get to these three points that are going to help you, and I'm only going to take about 15 more minutes, but when I get to these three, three points that are going to help you today, I want to give you three opening thoughts, and I'm going to do it very quickly. Get this in your mind before we move forward. Number one is this. How many of you guys know that storms are inevitable? Right? There are going to be storms in your life, things you don't understand, chaos that comes up. Everybody faces them. And if you say, I've been living so long, I've had nothing but the joy of the Lord, you haven't lived long enough. <laughs> Storm, somebody's going to make you angry. Somebody's going to offend you. There's, you're going to feel unstable at times. It's inevitable. We live in a fallen world. It's going to happen. Number two, storms don't last forever. I want to say it again. Storms don't last forever. How many of you are grateful that storms come and then they go? And here's what I love about this story. It tells us that Jesus will meet us in the middle of our storm. In fact, he will meet us supernaturally if he has to, to get in our boat to calm that storm. Come on, somebody. Give your neighbor a high five and say, that's good. Come on. Give your neighbor a high five. That's good. All right. Now, here... It's probably the most important point that you're going to hear, and you're not going to hear this from your favorite internet preacher, I promise you. But verse 45 tells us very, very clearly that Jesus sent his disciples to Bethesda by boat. They were being obedient. Everybody say obedient. They were doing exactly what their leader, what our Lord asked them to do. So guess what, folks? Being in the will of God does not exempt you from experiencing storms in life. Oh, that's so important. In fact, <laughs> you're talking to a missionary. I'm telling you, when I first moved to Belgium, they did their best to try to kick me out, even though the government said I could stay there. Oh, they made it so miserable. If I had time, I'd tell you the stories. But often when we're doing the will of God, when we're walking in his will, doing his purpose, we invite the storms in our life. 
Because the Bible tells us that we don't fight against flesh and blood alone. There's a spiritual battle going on. The Bible says we fight against the principalities and darkness of this world. That there is a fight happening in, in your life and it creates tension. And guess what? Often it brings storms. So even though you're doing the will of God, it doesn't exempt you from experiencing problems and challenges. Come on, let's look at somebody and say, that's good. That was good. That, that's worth the five o'clock service right there. All right. So I want to give you three things that help us grow in the middle of our storms. You guys ready? The first thing is this. Storms expose our character. Now, what's our character? Our character is revealed when problems come. Our character will either expose that we're people of integrity or we're people of courage or we're people of no integrity and people with no courage. How many of you guys re realize that? Now, when you look at verse 48, here's what we see. Jesus saw them fighting the wind, the storm that was against them. And what did he see them doing? What does it say they were doing? They were straining at rowing. They were fighting against that storm. They were doing everything they can to survive. Listen, let's just be honest. How many of you know that sometimes bad things happen in our life and we have a bad, how many of you guys ever had a bad day? How many of you guys more, got, got more than one bad piece of, no, of news in one day? You've got two, three, five, seven. Come on, how many of you have children? <laughs> Enough said, all right? Enough said. Now, how many of you guys know that some of us when we face problems, we go to bed at 4 o'clock in the afternoon so that nothing else bad could happen that day. Come on, folks. Right? We just hide from the problems. How many guys avoid confrontation? <laughs> some, of, <laughs> some of you are scared to raise your hand right now because it's <laughs> confrontational. Right? But here's the reality. What you avoid, you endorse to live in your life. When you avoid confrontation, you're giving it authority to live in your life. In fact, you give it opportunity to grow. So we need to confront things in our life. How many of you guys get that? The character that Jesus saw in these guys. And this is what I love. I want to talk to you. How many of you, how many of you would say, this is my church? I'm here. Hell or high water, I'm here, pastor. Come on, wave your hands. Wave your hands in the air. There you go. All right. This is your church. I want, you, I want to talk to you corporately for a moment. These were the disciples. You know what they did for a living? They were fishermen. You know what Jesus did for a living? He was a carpenter. Nobody's complaining of the fact that they're in the boat. Nobody said, Peter, why didn't you tell Jesus this wasn't a good time of the day to be on the sea because the wind's going to come and cause a problem? Nobody's complaining. Nobody's blaming anybody else. You know what they were doing? They were working and they were fighting together. We don't see a, a, an ounce of division among them. They are doing whatever they can. Everybody say together. together. To, to survive this storm and to get through it. Everybody say character. character. They had the character of a fighter. But folks, listen, if you don't have that character, don't worry. Because what God does in those moments when your character is exposed on the way that you uh, deal with confrontation, the way you deal with problems, it exposes weaknesses. But here's the beautiful thing about weaknesses. You can fix them. You can confront them, right? So 
I'm pretty much an urban guy. I like the city. In fact, when I moved out of my home, I moved into downtown West Palm Beach, live very close to the intercoastal. I like the nightlife. I like the activity. But one side of my family, all of my uncles, you know, I had an uncle lived in Okeechobee, and they all love fishing and hunting and all that stuff. Mudding. How many of you guys know what mudding is? Anybody? All right. Thank, thank you. My people over here, right? You, you, mudding's when you get a ridiculously large truck, large truck and just drive through the mud for fun. Okay. We call them rednecks. Come on, folks. Amen. Well, I decided I'm going to discover my inner redneck at about 20 years old. I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to be a redneck. So I went fishing. And I'm not talking about the, the saltwater fishing. I'm talking about go get a bass and a catfish. Come on, folks. And so then I decided I'm going to buy a boat. So my friend Mike sold me his John boat. Anybody going to know what a John boat is? And I did what every good redneck should do. I didn't buy a trailer for that boat. Nope. I tied it to the roof of my car. Come on now. <laughs> Amen. And I took that boat out into the sea. I took that boat, not into the sea. I took it out into the lake, got about 50 feet from the shore, and it started filling up with water. I'm telling you, folks, I almost died. I mean, I had to jump out of the boat to save my life. When I jumped out, it came up to my waist. But I'm telling you, I almost died. <laughs> and here's what happened. I jumped out of the boat pulled that boat up on shore, turned it over, emptied out the water. I went to the payphone. Anybody know what a payphone is? <laughs> all right. They're all under the age of 45, over the age of 45, right? Yeah. Listen, for all you young people, we didn't always have the thing that's in your pocket that you, you know, surf the internet with. We, we, we didn't have those things. We used to have to take a quarter and go put it in the machine. Pastor Dan, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay. Just want to make sure. Put it, put a, put a quarter in the, in the phone and make a phone call. And I called my friend up and I said, Mike, Mike, you sold me a broke boat. He said, what happened? I told him everything that happened. I almost died, Mike. I almost died, but I made it. And here's what he asked me. He said, Bill, did you put the plug in the boat? Did you realize they intentionally put a hole in the boat? I didn't know that. I mean, this was redneck education, folks. But you know what happened? That event exposed a weakness in that boat. And I was able to fix it. And that's what happens with storms in our life. It exposed their character and their character was strong. They're working together. But what happens if you're not? Well, that's an opportunity to grow. That's an opportunity to learn. Amen? You know what else it does? Number two, it exposed their fear. Verses 49 through 50. Listen to this. They saw him walking on the, on the sea, walking on the water. They supposed he was a ghost, and they cried out, and they were troubled. <laughs> they thought Jesus was a ghost. Fear overcame. Now listen, folks, don't judge them. How many of you guys know that we face fear? We hear the word recession, fear. We hear the word war, fear. We, we, we hear the word cancer, fear. But I want you to know something. All the things that you are facing doesn't change God. But all the things you're facing increases the need that we need to trust Him. How many of you guys realize that? And there's a difference between faith and fear. God cannot work with your fear. But He can work with your faith. Come on, folks. Amen? I used to preach that I could, you know, that my faith is strong. I believe he can do anything. And I do believe that. Now I'm at a place in my life 
that I have faith regardless of the outcome. That regardless of the outcome I want or not, because faith is not about me manipulating God to do what I want. But I have faith that he's always in control and something good is going to come out of the end. Amen? So those problems expose the fear in our life. Again, it's an opportunity to grow. And then the last thing that we see here, and this is so powerful, I want you to hear it. Storms have the power to produce deeper intimacy with God. Couldn't come on up. It has the ability to produce deeper intimacy with God. Isn't that crazy? I've experienced this more than one time in my life. Recently, in the last few years, in 2020, I've been living in Belgium. This month is my 21st year living in, in Europe. But I was here in the States in 2020, October, in the midst of the pandemic. I just got done speaking at an event in North Florida. On October 14th was the day that I spoke at this event in North Florida. It was a Wednesday night. Thursday morning at the hotel I was at, the phone rang at 5.42 in the morning. I saw it was my wife. She was in Belgium. I knew something was wrong. Why would she be calling me at 5.42 in the morning? And she said with a very panicked voice, but with full of sympathy, she said, honey, I'm sorry. I just got a call from California. It's where my mom lived. And she said, honey, they found your mom dead in a hotel room. Everything changed at that moment and suddenly dots started to get connected. Days prior to that, my mom sent me a horrible message by text. The last thing I ever received from my mom was cussing. I didn't understand what was going on. And I won't get into the circumstances of how she died. But my heart was devastated. I felt guilt, regret, sadness, overcome with emotions. And folks, I want you to know something that as believers in Jesus, we all are going to face problems, but our response might be different. For some of us, we're going to run as far away as we can from God. We're going to find hope and comfort in things that we shouldn't. And to others, we're going to run to Him. And folks, I want you to know that's exactly what I did. I ran to Him as fast and as hard as I could, and it had to be almost an hourly thing that I had to do to get through that problem. And all I can tell you is that in the middle of my pain is when I experienced his presence the most. He used people to bring comfort in my life. He used people to meet needs that I had during that time. I came, I came to the States for a two-week trip to speak at an event and speak at churches like this. I ended up staying there nine weeks to settle her estate. But all I can tell you is I've never felt closer to God than I did in the middle of that moment. I found forgiveness for myself. I found forgiveness for the hurt that I'd experienced with my mom, who I love so much. And that pain and that struggle of that storm produced a deeper dependency on God for me and my life. And as difficult as it was, and I would never want to experience it again. But I wouldn't trade what I got out of it 
for anything in the world. Because when I don't understand, God is there. And I take comfort in that. It produced a greater intimacy for me in my life. And I just, I don't know what any of you are facing today, but I do know this. I felt very strongly that we were here, Jefferson and I, today in South Florida, started in, in Lake Worth, Lantana, and now here with you folks in Delray, that there's an assignment today. There's an assignment to say that there's hope. That there's hope. It's the greatest thing that we can give. How many guys believe that? Hope. And I want to just ask you to close your eyes for a moment. And I'm actually a couple minutes over time, but just, just give me about three more minutes. But if you're here today and you're struggling with a challenge, you're struggling with a promise, with a problem, I'm wondering how many of you need comfort today for God to move in your situation. Oh, I see that hand already. I see those hands already. I'm going to ask you a question, and please just keep your eyes closed because I want this between you and God. But the first step to finding hope is to know the one who gives us hope. And the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person, the person to the left of you, the right of you, in front of you, and back of you. We've all sinned. And we've all fallen short of his glory. But here's the awesome thing. The Bible also says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by Him. There's a way to come back to Him. There's a way to find hope in Him. And Paul said it this way, if we simply believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and we'll confess it with our mouth that He's Lord, then we'll be saved. So the first step of finding the comfort that we're all looking for is to make sure that you've surrendered your life to Him. He loved you enough today to send a big preacher from Belgium to confront you with that truth. If you're here today and you're not living for Him, you're away from Him, you, maybe you've lived for Him in the past, but you're not living for Him now, this is a great opportunity to get things right with Him. So if that's you th this afternoon and you're saying, I'm not right with God, but I want to get right with Him. I'm going to count to three and I just want you to lift your hand right where you're at. Are you ready? One. Thank you, ma'am. Two. Three. I see two hands. Three hands. Anybody else that say, that's me. That's me. I need to get things right with God. Three people lifted their hands and said, that's me. Anybody else that say, that's me. Just be bold. It's between you and the Lord today. Thank you. I want everybody in this room, please, please pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus. Say it out loud. Jesus, today I give you my life. I surrender everything to you. And Lord, I pray that you take me as I am. I declare I'm lost without you. But I truly believe you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So take my life and use it as you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand for that. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. And we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. If you have needs in your life and you need, you need comfort from the storms, you want to grow through your storms, just lift your hands right now. And that's you saying, I'm in the middle of a storm. I need help. I need help. Father, you see the hands that have been lifted. We pray that you be with your people today. 
Lord, speak to them about their character. Speak to them about their fears. And Lord, we pray that we become more intimate with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Williams at Redemption Church in Delaware Beach. Thank you so much for listening to that message. We pray it was an encouragement. It was a blessing to you as we love to pursue and to proclaim Jesus together. And so no matter what you're listening, whether it be YouTube or our podcast, you can go to more resources at redemptiondb.com and even partner with us in ministry to pursue and to proclaim Jesus. God bless you. And thank you so much for listening.